It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Taylor, joined by Benjamin Richardson. Hello. And Josh Brown. Hello. Now, I walked into the office this morning, and I barely had I set foot in the kitchen before Benjamin walked up to me, and he said, do games get worse the more that you play? And I thought, that's a really good idea for a podcast, because I couldn't answer that at all. Yeah, I'd about, been, been thinking about this all weekend. <laughs> yeah, I'd about seven different things, and I was like, well, it just depends on the story, it depends on what the mechanics are, it depends on X number of different things. Um, what are both of your, or either of your initial reactions to that question? Well, mm. I actually started writing an editorial about a month ago called Why Video Games Are Too Long. So I think I broadly agree with <laughs> you're this the long, You're a big proponent of uh, all movies should be an hour and a half. That is true. Well. To be fair, this is not just a gaming thing with no. me. Everything should just be shorter, like 20 minutes. Not for games. I but the, right. yeah. the bulk of your film recommendations to me begin with, it's really good, it's 90 minutes, <laughs> before you tell me about its obscene, lewd content. Yep, it's always a little bit of the lewd content yeah, from this GB. There's, um, there's something about, I mean, that's, on the just for quickly, on the film side, there is something about time being like this like sort of commodity and this thing that we sort of, where we're more aware of these days than I think we ever were before because of the amount of things that are vying for your attention. Um, and for me, whenever I look at a long film, I always immediately go, okay, I'm not going to resume my life for two hours. And that always like puts me off getting Which invested is- in a lot. It's such a weird paradox because us as consumers and players and watchers are thinking that, where at the same time developers are saying, here are the games that you need to play forever. This yes. is all we're making now. We're making live service experiences that and you will need to play for years. They're also saying mm-hmm. it's worth paying for this because the value is much higher than something that's shorter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that just in terms of length, when it comes to like films and games for me, mm-hmm. if I know in advance it's going to take five hours, I'm thinking that's five hours definitely taken up from this night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that'll fast forward time. Only if you do it in one sitting, you maniac. Yeah, to the point where I need to go to bed and get up and uh-huh. go to work. As for games, the original question, the games get worse as gone. I obviously have given this some thought since I asked you it this morning. <laughs> and I do, I think they do. Right. Because I think what happens is with a lot of modern games is that the front load a lot of content, a lot of features and a lot of mechanics mm-hmm. and you get used to them and you think this is great. And maybe after maybe five or six hours, you've sort of experienced everything that you're going to. And you just start doing... On a mechanical level. On a mechanical level, Mm -hmm. yeah. And you start to do, like, decreasing, faded versions of that over and over again. I also think some of the annoyances of the game become more pronounced as it goes on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, what was the thing that initially made you want to pose that question? Because that was the... You didn't even say hi, that was the first thing you said. (laughs) (laughs) I think I said morning. You might give me a a little bit of a morning. I've been playing Grand Theft Auto 3. Okay. Recently, and it... And I, and I was wondering, why is this game a lot more fun? Why am I enjoying this now in 2019 just as much as I did in 2001? Mm. When I found GTA V such a slog. Yes. 
And I think it is down to the length and the variety and the fact that, you know, in GTA Five, I, I grew frustrated with it from always playing it because mm -hmm. the immediate factors that wow you don't have that power 50 hours in, mm -hmm. but the things mm -hmm. that frustrate you, like the lack of interaction or the little glitches or the bad story bits, they really start to grind. And as I think I had the same experience with Skyrim especially, mm -hmm. Uh, where it always felt like the world was falling apart around me. You, 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 okay, for the for the GTA thing, just quickly, like I guess with GTA 3, it's interesting because you do only have one set of mechanics at the beginning that last that whole game, whereas like from San Andreas onwards, they started bringing in the different stat trees and the skill tree type stuff, other things that you were going to upgrade, like you could unlock twin pistols or whatever in San Andreas. Um, but yeah, like in GTA, like there's, for me, well, there is a big appeal to those older I ones. Think, I think there's a, a really big thing with GTA 5 as well is that the, the entire map is unlocked from the beginning. Mm -hmm. which, so it's effectively saying if you don't want to do the story, you can jump in and do all the sandbox stuff straight away. Mm -hmm. And for me, there's no sense of progression. Right. Whereas with San Andreas, you unlock the map piecemeal and it constantly feels like it's evolving. Mm -hmm. For, the, for yeah. the sake of that, like the next thing I had down was like, uh, have you ever like just bounced off a game for it just being overwhelmingly huge or even ahead of time just gone, I'm just never going to get through this, so why even start? Um, oh, Normally I'm okay with it. There have been a few exceptions to this. Monster mm. Hunter World was a game right. where I just thought this looks impenetrable and I haven't played the other ones. It looks too dense. <laughs> I know this is going to be 100 hours of my time, so uh, I might just have to leave you it. You mean like on a skill level though, as opposed to something like Final Fantasy VII, which I'm always, I'm telling you to play every minute of the day. Yes, and the reason I don't go back and play Final Fantasy 7 is because you always keep saying how long it is and how long it's right? taking you to play it, which is a, another imposing kind uh, of weird thing where you have to, when you're recommending a game, you have to also say, oh, this will take up X amount of hours. Mm -hmm. But I don't think in that case, it's not I'm worried the experience would get worse. It's purely a time thing because right. games I played this year have definitely gotten worse the longer they've gone on. I think, right. I think with Days JRPGs, yeah. certainly JRPGs of that generation, the experience gets better because your character's level up mm. and get better and you get more skills story wise you get more, you're more invested yeah. yeah you get more more to transport it isn't just the same thing ad nauseum as it is in final fantasy 15 to yes. a greater extent well mm -hmm. I, I agree with what you said there but benji about when when the game goes on if you don't have anything new to do or you're not feeling that sense of progression then the quirks so, and the things that you think, were annoyed with just annoy you so much more <laughs> I, I think the great example of a one game that breaks that rule is breath of the wild and i remember when i first picked it up i, I was sort of two years later but it was still good yeah, it was only about six months but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was hesitant basically I was, I was quite pessimistic because it, it broke from the Zelda formula that I really love now something about the original Zelda formula is that um, it's constantly introducing new mechanics as it goes on so it never really becomes boring for mm. something to look forward to down the line and I was thinking I get all these mechanics at the very start mm -hmm. what's going to sustain my interest mm. and I think the great thing about Breath of the Wild although you can do everything from the start is that those fundamentals are so robust and using su such a variety of ways that it does retain your interest and you mm -hmm. become truly engrossed in the world. Whereas something like The Witcher 3, it's a great Don't game. You slander my Witcher 3, Benji. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, I'll say it up front, it's a great game and it's got a lot of merit. Mm -hmm. But I felt like it wasn't going anywhere beyond the first five hours. The first area is virtually have identical. Have you not seen level two of Agni? You can yeah, push more people. <laughs> set them all on fire, mate. That's what I mean. But, uh, but I did feel like I was just doing going through the motions mm. at the end of that. Whereas Breath of the Wild, the sense of discovery didn't really go fade. away yeah i think it's like it's that thing where it's like if a game dev uh, developer gives you a bunch of tools it's like giving you the toolkit at the beginning like breath of the wild is a perfect example of here's everything that you can possibly do but you don't realize how many different applications it's going to have well, that's, yeah that's just it that's because it's so versatile and because mm -hmm. the systems work in such unison and it's so unexpected for so much scope for emergent gameplay that you don't get with something heavily scripted like mm -hmm. um even though it's not necessarily supposed to be and they're not sold in this but something like gta 5 or red right. redemption 2 
Well, GT is a perfect example. Um, I think, I don't know if all you guys watch Nakey Jakey, but I sent you a video for him. Um, you should watch Nakey Jakey. Nakey Jakey's really good. We're not sponsored by so- Nakey Jakey. <laughs> but he's really, really good. He did a really cool video on uh, Rockstar's uh, game design being outdated, and he compared GTA 3's mission structure to GTA 5. And I remember doing this in GTA 3, where like you have to you have to take out this guy that's like running down this street or whatever, and he gets into a car at the end. And uh, if you think ahead of time, if you restart the mission, you can uh, either you can bomb his car, and you can put a bomb in it so that when he gets in, it'll blow up, or you can park something in front of him. There was all this idea of like experiment, like experimentation within a sandbox and G- and Rockstar took all that away as they went forward mm-hmm. um, so they sort of they didn't give you it wasn't you didn't have that toolkit sort of feel anymore um, and then as a result it does feel like you're going through the motions in a way that you aren't in GTA 3 Vice City and San Andreas it makes sense in, in the regard that for trying to sell the newer games as being more cinematic mm. and we'll have more set pieces but for also selling them on being these open world sandboxes and the two things just do not mesh whatsoever. Yeah, which is the overall like like conclusion that he draws, which I like totally agree. Um, it is that thing though of like if you if you the basically I've I've looked up a whole bunch of different game completion stats and sort of googled the idea of like just how many people do finish games. Um, and a lot of that data is very hard to come by because like Sony and Microsoft don't advertise it too much unless you start digging into trophy data. Um, but if you go back to 2011, that was when Kotaku pub, uh, published their um, nine out of ten people won't finish games piece, um, which CNN sort of left on as well. Um, which I guess is an immediate reaction. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, it especially, feels, yeah. I know, I think we're kind of an anomaly because, I mean, we do this mostly for a living. Mm-hmm. But um, when I'm talking to friends from home who are into games as much as we are, that might sound a bit of a paradox considering they don't finish games. going to get a tattoo at one it. point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, um, like, they play games, they love games, but they don't often finish them. I know someone who didn't right. finish The Last of Us, but would still say they loved it, but even though they didn't get the entire story, like, especially now when we have all of these open world games, it's very easy, mm. especially if you play a lot with friends, to just drop what you're doing and move on to the next big thing, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I think, like, in, in that case, like, yeah, I will also um, say right now that I have more up-to-date st- uh, statistics than just the 2011 thing, um, but that seems to be when the conversation sort of came in, when we started to see games that would, like, play more into the open world genre. Like, I've got a, some, some good statistics 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 throws me off the word <laughs> statistics with uh, looking at the way the Assassin's Creed games sort of went if you look at the size of something like Origins or Odyssey compared to what those original games were they were always open world but now it is like another world that you're sort of jumping into well, um, I'll ask yeah. another question as well mm-hmm. how often do you go back and replay a game from the last five or six years never to completion I've, I've been replaying a lot so, of older games I'm replaying I, Metal Gear Solid now you just finished Spider-Man no I'd played the DLC I didn't oh. play it again one, one thing I noticed was um, I, I got this feeling that I didn't like games which I wasn't playing them as often mm-hmm. um, because you know I felt like I wasn't finishing as many games but when I looked back and went back to games I'd played in my youth things like Goldeneye and Mario 64 I found I could complete them again very quickly right. I actually ended up completing most of the games I played as a child once more. <laughs> so in fact, I'm actually playing more than ever. It's it's weird because I've gone back through Final Fantasy VII like um, since all the remake stuff came out. I think some of that is nostalgia. I think some of it is that the mechanics are easier to get your head around. The scope of those all all, all those games is. I think it works easier. Harder. I know what you need I think to do. It works harder to keep you engaged. Yeah. For the whole duration. So I mean, yeah, engagement's an interesting thing, especially in terms of like the big open world stuff, like the Division or uh, the Ubisoft games, where you can tell they have a very specific formula, but it's going to be the same after an hour as it was after ten minutes. Um, how much does that impact your like? Uh, your actual engagement with something. Ah, oh, lots, especially yeah. when it comes to like the Ubisoft formula. I like the look of the new Assassin's Creed games, and I used mm. to love that franchise so much. But it looks just kind of I don't I don't want to don't want to do this. I don't even want right. to do it once. Never mind go through it and replay <laughs> it again. It's just so the difference between something like that and Breath of the Wild. I think a lot of Ubisoft games and Days Gone is a recent example. Like really struggles to um, perhaps gamifies their mechanics mm. too much, where it does feel like you're just checking things off a list, mm-hmm. and there's no variety to how you tackle specific I think, missions. I think depending on where you are in the game. Those, mm-hmm. those at, even the presence of those lists can make it seem 
like a chore, like work. Mm -hmm. Right. Like a Breath of the Wild, it does do it for side missions. I actually think that's supposed to be the weakest part of the game. Mm. So, I would agree. Have you not like, played golf? <laughs> uh, I, yes. Because <laughs> a whole golf minigame in Breath of the Wild, you might not know. Not for minigames, but the actual side quests that yes. the NPCs give yes. you where it's like, do this, get that, and you just feel like, again, you feel like you're just going through the motions, Go get doing some busy work. And bring it back. Whereas when you discover a shrine, it feels like you've found that and you've done that and this isn't something a game has prescribed to mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like that, you're not just ticking it off. That whole thing of like, yeah, like serving everything up up front, like that like, idea of prioritizing the upfront stuff. Um, I'm going to go back to the 2011 stats just for a second because Giant Bomb, uh, the website, used to have this whole thing, this whole massive algorithm, which was brilliant for the time, where um, they designed a whole thing that would automatically troll, um, you know, uh, PlayStation trophies and achievement data, and I think Steam stuff at one point, um, and bring it back in so you could get a completion stat for each game. Um, and so some statistics from back then, I'm just going to reel through these. Actually, you guys can give me a percentage on how many okay. people you think would have finished these games. Um, Fallout 3. 45%. Okay. That's a little higher than that, maybe 60. You're both wrong. It's 43.39. Oh, we're so close. So these, these are only taken in 2011. So like I said, I'm going to get more update in a bit. We've got some 2018 stats as well. Um, so yeah, Fallout 3, 43.39. Red Dead Redemption. The first one. Yes. Ooh. Ooh. I want to stick with a solid 50% again. Okay. Oh, this is a fun content. This isn't it? Random numbers. <laughs> yes. 55%. Nerds, 50.5. Ah. You're both very correct. We'll speed this thing up a little bit. GTA 4. Um, I reckon that's quite high. I reckon it's about 65%. Mm. I think it's in the 52 range. You're both wrong. It's 39.03%. Less than Red Dead. Interesting. Now I'm just going to tell you some stuff. Halo 3 was 57.16, which, I mean, ugh, I think people would have saw that trilogy through, but I guess not back yeah. then. Oh, man, imagine how many people only played it for the multiplayer, though. Like, yeah. we well, love the story, but I assume there's people just like, yeah, I want a more arena shooting. We weirdly, I'll, I, when I get to the 2018 stuff, people do seem to gravitate towards, um, like, you can tell something that's story heavy, like the Uncharted series has really high completion stats. Um, but yeah, Gears of War 2, 57%. Hannah Montana, 58%. The nope, Hannah Montana you know fandom what? getting stuck in. Um, Mass Effect 1, 58.7, which, like, I don't know, considering that's the first one and it kickstarted so much, you kind of just think that more people would be would have seen it through for mm -hmm. the sake that it, Mass Effect 2 picks up right from where that one left off. Um, Assassin's Creed 2 is the one I've got at the end of the 2011 stats with 59.45, which I don't know if that blows your mind or not because Assassin's Creed 2 was the one that was the most Interestingly, beloved. though, I think a lot of those games mentioned mm. are quite long, at least right. compared to sort of your regular, Plus except your maybe Halo and a couple others, like GTA's a long game, Assassin's Creed, even Assassin's mm. Creed 2 is a decently mm -hmm. long game, you know. But one of, the overall, one of the overall takeaways as well is that um, pretty much if you take an average, it's in the 60s. Mm. Um, so it's like, I, I kind of extrapolated that to mean, to ask the question, do we think that we finished 60% of games? Like if you take away, if you just apply that as an overall rule. Here's a question. I want to take that question and throw one back here. Bring right? it. Because especially recently, I think the idea of completing a game has mm. become so nebulous. I right. used to, when I used to get new releases and stuff, I used to play them through to completion. By that, I mean the main story, all the side missions, not necessarily collectibles, but definitely the bulk of the main content, mm -hmm. quote unquote. But now I don't have that same drive because I don't think there's any sort of value in completion really anymore, right. especially when it comes to live service games or new sandbox games. Even The Witcher 3, which I put a hundred hours in, <laughs> I still had side quests lingering. I still had a lot oh, of yeah. the misc activities to do because I don't know what completing a game is anymore. Is mm. it the main story? Is it the main story and everything else? Or is it just getting your fill of the experience mm. and then when you hit a mechanical ceiling, then it's, is that is maybe, that when it's done? Maybe I'm old school, but I would say that completing a game is the main component, is the main story. I mean, it's hard in some games, like Division... Well, like Division 2 does have a main story, so mm -hmm. I don't know, like Warframe. I, wouldn't, I don't know how the hell you finish Warframe. Yeah. Um, or Rocket League. 
But um, public but games that you've listed there all have very, very clear completion states. Mm -hmm. You have credit sequences yeah. and endings. Credits is a good one to go for. Yeah, I, I, I recently played uh, Fallout New Vegas, and I was absolutely so. You know that was a long, that was much longer than I was expecting, mm. and it actually did keep me engaged, even right. though I've played Fallout Three and I've played Fallout Four. And it's very similar, but it, the way I did that is by just being written way, way, way better. I was going to say, I guess it's like trying to match like an overall narrative or like like a because like I was going to say trying to match a narrative to an overall game length. Like I, one thing I've never really drilled into, which I can probably do as an editorial or something, is why this idea of game length is kind of a mystery. Like there's a really cool website called um, HowLongToBeat.com that just archives the average completion stats. People will just post them. Like oh, it took me ten hours, it took me fifteen hours, and so like that's really good. But like going into a movie, you know how long it's going to take. Like yeah. you know, like you, I guess with books you can get an average length or something. But like with games, it's nearly always just held back, and I don't know why. Unless, sorry, I was just going to say, it's interesting you mentioned that because games a long time ago, uh, games in the Mars system, back when we were young, in the eighties <laughs> and nineties, the boxes used to specify how many levels we had. Right. To, so it was a sort of an expected length, mm -hmm. but that was actually being advertised as look how long it is, mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. this is how much time we're expecting you to invest in it. Well, the Final right. Fantasy games used to have like you know featuring eight hours of cutscenes or like whatever, yeah, but yeah. they don't anymore. And I think they used to, Sometimes used to, or like over 50 hours of gameplay, used mm -hmm. to get random quotes like that. But it's, I, I think the reason why maybe hold back now is because I could be a little bit off-putting. Mm. Maybe, is that what you were going to say? Kind of, yeah. I mean, I remember back at the dawn of the 360 generation when people were getting up in arms that games were only eight hours or six hours and stuff. Right. I don't think, I can't remember the last time a new game came out and it was criticized for being too short. Like I think mm. that had, I don't I can't genuinely like a big AAA release I can't uh, Sonic Two remember Sonic Two that was a long time ago man <laughs> Metal, Metal Gear Solid was heavily criticised I love all these references shop. from 1993 <laughs> and then 1998 yeah. it's been 20 years <laughs> but it's just actually interesting but that that used to be a criticism mm -hmm. which I would say this too short thing is still a, is still a criticism but less so but, it, but for mm. me that's why games evolved to be always longer always bigger always better mm -hmm. yeah so I mean talking about that um, marrying a uh, narrative like you know a narrative drive or whatever to like a set of gameplay mechanics the thing that sticks out to me is Ultimate Alliance 3 mm. um, not I, I still think I like that game but like I didn't really care about what was happening until like three hours in um, there's a bit like halfway through and I mean who cares about this it's not a spoiler um, but there's a bit halfway through where something finally goes wrong for the heroes mm -hmm. um, and that was I was finally like okay there's actually some stakes because the whole thing until then is just kind of this like just, like I, I called it when we did the joint review like it's this fireworks display of Marvel things and that's totally what it's going for but it literally sent me to sleep four times and I kept <laughs> messaging you because I, I, would, I would play it for a bit I'm just hitting the buttons I'm killing stuff and I would fall asleep and every time middle of the day I'm asleep and so like it, for me I, I realized that I do need that pull I at least need something something anything yeah like because the division two like over time was just the same thing like you know and i i am um, i want to I get this team off the ground it's just mastication for the thumbs just <laughs> something to do for a bit of time and i was like thinking that for ultimate lines too until it started to click more yeah but i don't know if, if you've found I, that with some games i too. think game stories are like <laughs> game length is kind of detrimental to game stories or right. telling game stories the Days gone. I keep going on about it. That's the biggest. It's totally valid me, though, because that had such great characters and a great story to tell. Mm -hmm. But when it had to be bloated out to 40, 50 hours long, it just had no sense of pacing, and mm -hmm. it was like four mini stories in one, and nothing connected. In one of those storylines or threads in that game, if that was its entire thing in a condensed ten, even twenty hour experience, would have been fun. But right. at the very end of the game, when you're thirty hours in, you get a new villain, you get a new area to explore. <laughs> it's, this has no consistency or coherence to what is come before there's no narrative through line there's no thematic mm -hmm. through line it's just stuff and stories and mythology that's more equitable to reality where there's there's no linear narrative in your life when you're surrounded by so much stuff <laughs> it's just things happen events but, move but on that, but that, that aimlessness like 
I was going to say, but like in life, you're engaged because you're alive and you are you. <laughs> yeah. But in a game, it doesn't have the same impact, does it? No. They're like the best marketing like consultant ever. Well, they're alive and there's things to do. So I've been playing for like 500 hours. Um, but that's, I guess that's the difference between like a premise just, and a story. Sorry to interrupt that. That's why Breath of the Wild is so engaging because you know your one objective from the very beginning and it re remains the same from mm. start to end. It's go out and prepare. Be a hero. Take him on. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that, that being so open-ended, that's why I love Breath of the Wild so much, because they did, that is the narrative. It's like, yeah, learn to become the hero of Hyrule. You've, it's obviously it's, amnesia. It's literally protagonist. kill Ganon. Yeah, mm -hmm. whenever so you're ready. Yeah. And like that might take you, you know, you can do it in 15 minutes if you want to, but like it can take you a lot longer. Um, but yeah, that idea of like, it's like something like just a base, a base premise versus a story. And like, for me, if you're attempting the story, then it starts to fall down again, um, which is kind of my whole thing with like wasted potential or whatever. But um, I don't, because you've, you've, I think you're the only other person in the office that's played Ultimate Alliance 3. Yeah. But did you find that, that, that it was just lacking that sense of drive? There's no, there's, uh, there's no drive to that story at all. It's no. not well told. It's barely there. It's just an excuse <laughs> for people to fight. But then when it does, take precedent over the gameplay it's 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 well you've wasted you've yeah. wasted your entire premise like you can't just suddenly at the very end try to make an emotional point or a thematic point or mm -hmm. a big conclusion because it doesn't work because you haven't seeded those see sowed those seeds seeded those seeds seeded the seeds you but that's laid your potatoes that's weird <laughs> you've not laid your potatoes <laughs> that's the weirdest thing though because if you compare like I said stories and premises like Super Mario didn't need a story other than go jump on some like it's it's a plumber who can jump and there's a princess that needs saving and she's in another castle that was all we had and it didn't really matter which like is the thing that we've gotten away from like hardly any games just give you like a base one sentence premise um, occasionally they do like but it's I don't know I, I find that in because they've tried to explore all this story based territory sometimes it just bites them in the behind. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Well, I just kind of think there's, in a lot of these big, uh, long games now, there's mm-hmm. just kind of, like, no consistency or coherence between the disparate parts of gameplay versus story versus location mm. versus level design. Like, again, going back to Days Gone, it's uh, just a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's there's such a... <laughs> such a focus on trying to make the game as big as possible and have so much capital C mm. content that the story is just one part of it. It's not the defining feature that everything else is built around it. And I feel like a lot of games now are built with that same mentality of, oh, we'll have one team working on this, we'll have one team working on this, and then we'll just chuck it all together mm. and hope it works. There's not... Breath of the Wild is so good because it has one sort of major kind of focus and that's like the adventure and the exploration and then everything else is kind of sprang off that. It's not just a bunch of different like levels or different mechanics Mm. thrown together because that makes a lot of content. It's like one unified thing that I don't think a lot of games are. Which, yeah, as like another question, it's like how much do we care about what we're doing? Like for me, I just need to be pushed in a direction and I'll go. Well, ish. Something I sort of touched upon before parties that the games which have engaged me most recently are the ones which haven't really like stipulated my experience but sort of guided it mm. so one mm. of the one of the most engrossing games i played of last year was uh, return of the upper dim oh yeah and that, pope yeah and the, and the story in that doesn't actually it isn't expounded in any way other than that you arrive in the boat and you try and discover it for yourself and mm-hmm. piece it together in your own mind there's actually nothing in the game forcing you to do that you can actually leave without mm. uh, yeah. discovering the identities of everybody and the same applied to her story which right. we've mentioned on here before mm-hmm. which again you piece together that story yourself on your own pen and paper mm-hmm. and whatever you come away with is what you get from it, it mm-hmm. there's no mm-hmm. like end state is a, there is like a big twist in that game there's a big there is a twist not as such though because mm-hmm. like you don't necessarily discover it you could come away from the game having not done so maybe like, there's, there's, yeah. no, there's no checks mm-hmm. to take off mm-hmm. so I think and what these two games have in common they're both designed and written by one man yeah they sort of completely <coughs> weave the storyline in with the gameplay mm-hmm. there's, there's none of this like dis, like these disparate um, there's these like, random game elements conditions yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah as opposed to that, that's the thing it's like overall like I guess we I don't know about we I, I definitely like I chase that element of design that I think is completely missing in the big sp- like the newer Assassin's Creed I really like I enjoy playing them to a point like I can only really put like a, a couple like 20, 30 hours into one of them. Maybe I'll see the story through or whatever and then I feel like I'm really done because I'm not going anywhere other than making certain numbers go up. I think that's also why we see like the big proliferation of that type of skill tree. Yeah. It's the only skill tree you can apply to a 100-hour experience. It's, yeah. like, also, plus five it's, it's the easiest way to, to make a game continue, give you new things mm-hmm. without actually putting in original and new content. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys think the same, but when, it, when we get a big open world game like that or just a big game that has side quests, I always say when I'm invested into the story and I've got this driving force propelling me forward, I always say, you know what, I'm, I, just want, I want to do this because I'm enjoying this and then I'll finish the side quest later <laughs> and then I finish the main story and I'm like, I'm not finishing the side quest yeah. later. I have no drive to do that anymore. Like, Why am I doing it? It's just I, content I, for content's sake. I mm-hmm. do the exact opposite. Games have a very... A tough task making me actually care about the most yeah. important part of it. What so was like, something you played that you told me about where you did all the side stuff and then it, you didn't care about the main thing anymore because you'd like spent so much time in that world? It's, it's something it recent. It might have been The Witcher 3. I'm Maybe. also thinking back to Final Fantasy 7. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I actually did care, but it's like you've got this huge meteor looming over, over the planet. It's like, you don't bother with that. Figure, figure <laughs> that. Go and raise some chocobos. <laughs> to be fair, that doesn't happen until the last like three hours. Yeah, but but the whole Still. point is I have, I had no motivation to actually finish that game. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go and like sweep everything up. I was the total opposite of you because yeah. that was where it really kicked in. I was like, oh God, the world's going to end. But did you, so you felt like the, the impulse to go and beat Sephiroth quickly. Oh, hell thought, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. At that point, yes, because the narrative of like the last 40 hours has been building well, actually, to that point. I actually thought that game, and this is a problem that a lot of games have, is that mm. condition you to think that following the narrative thread as they want you to is actually detrimental 
Like mm. If you don't have your gold chalkboard and you don't have your knights of the round and you don't have all your material. Final Fantasy VII things, John. Yeah. I've just I've yeah. glazed over. <laughs> You'll have a much tougher time. Yes. And it's the same in Western RPGs, things like, you know, if you haven't done all side quests, you won't have sufficient experience. Mm. And yeah. Which, to bring it full circle, does tie back into that sort of numeric system. Because it's like, yeah. if you haven't spent the time grinding, you won't be able to beat the boss. Even though yeah. you're just going to you're gonna punch in the same way that you would have done after 30 seconds, but that punch now does 5,000 damage. There was a similar thing with Red Dead Redemption 2, which I do think sustains its length. Uh, mm -hmm quite well to be honest like, even though the storyline itself is quite episodic and quite repetitive I think the world and the characters you encounter are so good mm -hmm. but then when that game finishes like I, I didn't have I felt robbed of potentially you know a lot of the extra stuff and the mechanical and the, uh, the systems that I was engaging mm -hmm. in like the fishing or looking after the camp because that when that wasn't there the world itself felt a bit lifeless. I think so. I think for me, in Red Dead's case, like it lost something after it lost the impetus for those mechanics. As soon as you do one of the robberies and you have enough gold to just survive, it's like, well, why would I do any of this rough and tumble ragtag stuff? Yeah. And then even for that ending point, like not spoilers, but what happens after the credits? That should have been DLC. Mm. Like I think we needed they needed the breather. Like the more that they just kept it going, for me, kind of kind of broke that stuff. It didn't really land as very as well. Um, but you mentioned The Witcher. Like it's just it's such a massive sprawling thing that you can just go be a Witcher in that world and do all these monster contracts and everything. Um, how much that sort of job with them trying to tell a meaningful story like balancing those two elements is I so think, hard I think it gets a balance very bad how dare game. you that's the that's probably true. I mean there's, there's other yeah, issues I disagree with you <laughs> I, th I think, I think the, the biggest issue with The Witcher is actually not anything we've spoke about but I'm going to mention it anyway it's uh, basically no fishing mini game uh, that's one of them yeah I know, I think <laughs> I know. But Geralt or Geralt whatever you want to call him Geralt, Geralt Jules is not correct it's Geralt <laughs> it's, um, he's, he's a he's a like a pre-described character, he's got his own feelings, got his own emotions, his own. Well, actually, motivation. he only went the trial of the crosses to be stripped of emotions. Yeah, but so he, try again. But he doesn't in that game. Boy, he's got he's got memories imported from mm -hmm. the very beginning, and he's got. Well, he's like learning to feel again, isn't he? Well, he's got a wife but, in but that. that also means he's anyway. he, he can react in completely contradictory ways whenever you're given a choice from one situation to the next, and basically, it's asking you to play it like a an RPG, yes. whilst also giving you this character that the. Mm. Which we've of, talked about this before because yeah. we we talk about this loads off. Uh, I away personally from think Calms. it doesn't really work. <laughs> Whereas for me, I think that makes him the perfect protagonist because then you can do whatever's needed and you can rationalize it either through his duty or the fact that he's discovering emotion and trying to think and have you know establish morality again and etc. I think it makes him constantly ambiguous mm. someone messaged me and said uh, you guys always agree on the podcasts too much and I was like one how many podcasts have you seen what the hell and then two we should, I guess we should do more debatey things Josh when you come down on either side um, of that you know what I, I'm not equipped to probably come to a conclusion because I agree with you both to an yes. extent. I, I do think, I think The Witcher does it better than other games, but when you are given a pre-prescribed character... Well, what that it does, it, it makes you care, but you certainly mm -hmm. care about Geralt. Yeah. We, will, we will genuinely do a separate yeah. Witcher podcast because what, we can look forward to the future of the franchise too. one of those things that I think that only works if you're then role-playing as Geralt and not... Yep. Geralt! Very, sorry, Geralt. <laughs> Everything's throwing me off today. <laughs> I love The Witcher, I promise. I, yeah, I, I think you sort of in that situation have to role play as the character rather than the character rather than like your own version yeah, that, of him, yeah, which, would, is, which is a weird you so, can't put yourself into Geralt you have no. to be him yeah. Tim Schafer um, when he, he was talking about Grim Fandango and he said he'd like he'd like to think of the player as being an extension of the protagonist's uh, conscience mm. uh -huh. which makes perfect sense so you're sort of guiding his thought does that not remove about, uh, this is such a different pod but does that not remove what the character is well no not necessarily, because if you're thinking like Geralt, you should only get the options that Geralt can pick. And I would say you do have In that. Grim Fandango, Manny Calavera only ever does what he would do, and he only ever responds as right. he would. 
Like mm. even the dialogue choices of things that he would say. One of the best examples emotion. of that is in the end of The Last of Us when you think you're going to have a choice with Ellie and Joel just does what he wants to do, which I love. I love that they take the control away from you. And mm-hmm. um, we can totally that's, do a separate that's, podcast that's on that. It's a really one. strange thing, but because suddenly mm-hmm. it creates this barrier between the player and the character you've just been playing as. Yeah. Or it makes it one of the best games of all time. <laughs> well, it's certainly a, it's inventive. Yes, <laughs> I'll say that. Um, so yeah, for another thing with The Witcher, um, how many percentage-wise, how many people do you think finished The Witcher three? Oh, not me. This is based I, on the 2018 statistics. I think the vast majority of people will have been blown away by the opening. I know it's sort of news today that the TV series is going to have him in the bath, <laughs> <laughs> which apparently is the best. It better part have that blooming crab yes, in there as well. Guy, so, guy in the bath is the highlight of that game, and That's then I think most people will have been. We'll have got through the tutorial mm-hmm. area. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, Camorn. No, uh, the, the area after that. The first what, big area. Novigrad? No, 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 no. <laughs> what, the other one? White something or anyway. We'll have got past that and into the swampy bit with the Baron. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But this is really good. This is really engaging. Right. I, mean, I think Novigrad is a choke point for me. Oh, uh, really? Because that's when you start to do loads of fetch quests and loads of well, boring No, you, no, you did. And, you started doing yeah. loads of fetch quests. And when you get to Skelliger, it's like, oh, look, it's more grass and trees and caves. And... <laughs> go, go get back to your Zelda formula, will you? 38% I want to go. Uh, it was 62%. And I have to clarify as well, these statistics are taken from a genius, some dude uh, on Reddit called GICN who did a whole bunch of different um, research last year. And um, you can look up the topic. It's called uh, Game Completion. We don't finish games from last year. Um, taking it took, to, took an average percentage from... From uh, Steam, PSN, and Xbox Live to get an average percentage uh, for uh, the amount of people that started a game versus finished it. I wonder if there's any difference uh, between those average statistics for each platform as well. Hmm. Well, there, yeah, you, that, if you go to the um, the post, like yeah, he has everything broken down. I just took the um, the finish, the completion statistic because it's a very hefty thing. Um, but though, I think there's some stuff that's worth um, taking away. He had a whole thing about different variables, about what we class as the uh, the main component, the story based thing, um, and the difference between um, trophy data and actual proper personal analysis, saying like, okay, this proves that this level was hit but this one wasn't so there's a difference between um, like for example Final Fantasy 7 23% of people acquire trophies through that game but the 78% of people actually finish the story once you kill it have you ever finished a game and then you end up with almost zero trophies Yes, which yeah. I think is the case yeah. of Final Fantasy VII. That's based on the way those trophies are laid out. Um, the overall thing to take away from this, though, I'll do game by game, um, is that um, all the games that he surveyed, which is a good 60 to 80 games, um, 63.86% was the overall completion percentage from everything, um, which again ties into the 2011 statistic um, of like 60% of people, 60% of a game is seen by the most people. Um, so that seems to hold true, even though the games have got exponentially bigger since 2011. It's it's slightly, honestly, it's slightly higher than I expect. Mm. I mean, people don't even have the attention to finish an entire YouTube video. I've seen like the retention <laughs> stats, you know what I mean? So it's like if 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 you can't expect that from this short form content, mm-hmm. then even a game with as good a story as something like The Witcher, you know, I think it's natural that people drop off after a while once they get their fill of the open world. Once they're nice and full. So the, the, so the Witcher 3 was 62%, was up from The Witcher 1 and 2, which were on 55 and 56, which I think is just because that game was way more popular. I think way more people checked out 3 as opposed to 1 and 2. Well, I wouldn't necessarily, I, I, would, I would expect that to have the opposite effect though. Mm-hmm. I think the more people are playing it, the fewer people are completing it, especially if it's mm. a word of mouth thing. Maybe, maybe. I guess, yeah, either way, the Wild Hunt seems to care in better. These are just some um, takeaway things per franchise because, like I said, there's so much to uh, dissect. Um, Assassin's Creed, um, they were averaging between 70 and 75% for the first batch of games. And then once you get past Black Flag, um, Origins went down to 60%, mm. which was Origins was the first major change where they changed the combat model and everything else. So, like, for me, that kind of makes sense that, like, I mean, Origins and Odyssey are just ginormous I think, I think Assassin's games. Assassin's Creed as well, there was a lot of excitement because it was the first really big mainstream IP mm-hmm. in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. The first what? The first Assassin's the, Creed. It was like oh yeah, it's a big like media event. 
Yeah, it was it was the first big fresh IP to drop in a long in, in a while. It was like two thousand seven, wasn't it? So yeah. it was like yeah, I remember that it was, was like, like Bioshock. That was afterwards. Bioshock came afterwards. Yeah, yeah this was like the first. Yeah, it was like the first batch, wasn't it? It was like Assassin's Creed. It was like Mass Effect. Yeah. And it was like Bioshock and a bunch of other stuff. Fair, fair, fair. I have the, the rose, the rose tinted glasses on for uh, the two thousands. I'm just like everything was great. There was new <laughs> stuff every year. Have you seen Burnout? But um, yeah, so Assassin's Creed seems to drop off. The bigger those games kind of got. Uh, Fallout. A lot of their percentages are in the fifties, uh, all the way through New Vegas, Fallout Three, um, until Fallout Four was sixty one percent. Although the trophy data for that was twenty three point seven. So um, this dude GICN had to like nail that down and be like precisely which uh, trophies pointed to story completion or main component completion um, but more people seem to get stuck into Fallout 4 which kind of matches up to more people playing it they have the drive to get through it I guess I suppose but Fallout 4 was a more cinematic story as well it was a more, yeah. ac- it was a more accessible mm-hmm. version of Fallout as well mm. which is I, I, plus for me Fallout 3 is like deceptively short like if you stick to the main stuff there's only like 13 missions or something and then you're done it's what? not very good in my opinion. Fallout 3? Yeah, yeah when we talk about... Um, th- oh, no, Fallout 3 as a whole is good, but okay. the main story for me is... Oh, is, yeah, the story is not yeah, good. The, the main story is the weakest component of Fallout 3. I'm, yeah. I, I'm so weird. I need, to do, I need to pass my thoughts out on Bethesda because I, I keep thinking about Bethesda and I think I only really love Skyrim. The rest of it's <laughs> no. just kind of like... I, I just... I don't know. I, I'm thinking about it too much. Um, next thing down, Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3 uh, came in at 61%, 65 and 69%. Um, I think it's no, just because they... I'd say that's more of a surprise. Yes. But I think it's because it's appealing to a very, very specific specific type of person mm-hmm. who are just oh, oh, going to make a point of getting through it as yeah. much as possible um, there were some statistics on Sekiro um, that came out earlier this year um, which was but this is right near launch in the first week when we were um, comparing stuff it was something stupid like 3% of people had seen the Ishin ending which is one of the hardest bosses to beat um, I imagine that's like changed by now but all this stuff is from last year um, Metal Gear Solid um, all the story driven ones the first ones like 1 through 4 um, all were in the 80% um, so it makes sense because people want to see it through um, Metal Gear 5 once it went open world dropped down to 64 percent mm. so i think that kind of ties well, into again it's you, you look at what was great mm. about metal gear solid and everything it, and it wasn't how cinematic it was it was how many fresh and inventive gameplay ideas it had and how it, it was also them. how cinematic it was it, no but that was a great part <laughs> of it, but that wasn't why people loved it at the time it was mm. like introducing new things all the way throughout that game mm-hmm. then i have been holding this point in for the entire podcast <laughs> and i'm pleased you brought it up because i've been replaying it and that's what shocked me there is no necessarily there's not necessarily a gameplay loop to it exactly right. you know this, I mean? now we've you've mentioned before now yeah, that one thing you enjoy in games is the loop and that I, I find that a little troubling because for me i don't think a game should be a constant loop where everybody subconsciously the enjoys the loop yeah but but gameplay loops as the word mm. didn't used either didn't exist or used to have new variety and then to mix the two things together and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. things would change as it went on whereas the Phantom Pain is much less like that even though you've arguably got more options mm-hmm. yeah definitely well something like Metal Gear I mean like for the sake of just quickly addressing the cinematic thing I think the way that, that game is shot like just that made it this big visual massive oh, deal yeah I mean it was unlike anything that came out yeah but it kind of like it kind of bred this fandom that was like they were I mean, like, obviously I'm one of them but was so invested in the characters and everything else and where it was going to go and then obviously 4 was the culmination of that and once you've done that and it's like actually there's one more there's going to be a drop down in, uh, in completion and um, the last thing is the Uncharted games um, they were averaging 80% um, across 1, 2 and 3 um, and then four went up to eighty four percent. So I think, like Metal Gear, they sort of nailed their big finale. Um, and I guess, like I, I imagine, an Uncharted five wouldn't land as well. For me, four was one of the last times that they could do that. Yeah. Um, and when, when you were mentioning games that were elongated, for me, four is one of the biggest examples of a game that does not know when to end. Mm, and there's that whole bit at the end when you finally get um, Ellie back. Um, Ellie? No. It's not Ellie. Elena yeah. and uh, there's that whole bit when you finally like, rekindle with her which is a great scene um, but then but whatever the whole back of that game just just drags oh, the hell out that's my favourite bit 
Is it though? Oh, it is. I like it when you get Elena back and they have the little. And she's like, a, she's like a cold-blooded murderer, just killing everybody, doing stealth kills and snapping necks. And I'm like, what? So how do you? The Drake, you know, we don't. Yeah, but he's a killer. Yeah, Elena's well. just. She, how does she know how to do it? Elena's been on three games with. She's them. a journalist. Oh, no, but she's been on adventures with them before. Snapping necks, is it? This yeah. is how you do it. Make she sure was, you get the tidbits. She's been murdering people since at least Uncharted Two. What do you call the tids? Isn't this art tid carotid carotid artery? That's what you want. That's okay. the way to do the with the choke out. Interesting. My friend does martial arts. Journalism um, is yeah. a very dangerous profession. It is a bit. <laughs> I've sort of lost it trying to pick apart all these different completion statistics. But the point is, uh, overall, is that around about 60% of people seem to finish the games, um, which is a little bit more promising than 90% based on the old 2011 Kotaku piece. But for me, that 60% stat lines up. I think that like, I, try, I finish as much stuff as possible, but I guess if I averaged it out, I don't know if it's the same with you guys, I would probably say that I do finish 60% of all games. I think I probably finished more than that. I, you can well, average it out. For me, though. it completely depends on what type of game. I finish 100% mm. of platformers. If you go with main components. Story-driven indie games. Mm-hmm. But about 10% of AAA <laughs> games. Like, I've had, I got God of War for my birthday, and um, I can tell it's going to be great, but I don't ever have the energy to actually oh, so get good. into it at this point in time. And I've never finished The Witcher 3 because I think I agree with Josh completely that my, now my sense of completion is the point at which I'm completely satiated mm. on the game rather than when I see the end of it. Right, which you'll never very... Same with Final Fantasy XV and all these games obviously have one thing in common mm-hmm. and it's, it's the length and it's that I feel like after a certain point I've seen everything mm-hmm. except the change in wallpaper as it goes on. That'd be the same thing for you. Yeah, definitely. It's mm. it's. Yeah, I used to be really stressed out about it. Uh, like a few years ago, and I realised I wasn't finishing games anymore because I used right. to finish everything I got. And now I've just kind of embraced it. You know, I, I I'm the same <laughs> as what I've just said there. Once I'm satiated with something, you know what? I don't need to keep pushing myself to right. keep playing games. I really enjoyed Days Gone as much as I ragging it all the time. But that thing burned me out in video games because there was a point where I could have stepped away, but right. because I wanted to see that story through, I kept playing. I mm-hmm. put another ten hours into it then it threw me in other areas i put another 10 hours into it and by the end it's not like i was hating playing it but i was just i was past the point of being satiated and i was just which which answers the question the original question like you don't eat once you're full Mm -hmm. the longer a game goes on the worse it becomes even though if it doesn't actually become worse you just grow to dislike it because you've had enough and I think you can offset things like the statistics proof with story elements with things to chase with answers to mysteries or whatever but like yeah there is or just with make short games I was going to say there seems to be like a calling there should be no shame in making a short game Mm -hmm. I think overall I don't know if I would put a calling out it's for more designed experiences like shorter tighter better things ironically two of the games I've put the most time in this past year two games I expected to be short Right. And that's Celeste and Shovel Knight. Mm. You put, can get through them pretty in the Yeah, but sitting. I put 30 hours into each of them. Which <laughs> 30 perfect hours. Yeah, that, and, those and, games and are really, brilliant. They really, really were. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all, again, just elongating this podcast as much as possible. Do it. Uh, it was the same with Uncharted 4, even though you said that was a bit too long. For, For me, me it was. I finished that and I wasn't, well, I was satiated in the fact that the story was satisfying, mm. but I kept thinking, I could play more of this. I went to go through and got all the trophies and did chapter specific right, things right. and went did like combat encounters over and over again because I liked the game. <laughs> gameplay so it it satisfied me on a story level I'm pleased that wasn't longer but at the same time I wanted to go back and keep being in that I'm totally with you. I think the game that I have to. There is nuance to this because I do love the gameplay and like yeah, I love the way that it plays. For me, it was just it felt like it was wrapping up. It was getting to a point, and then when it just kept going, I just kind of wanted it to end. And it, it was that thing where those two elements sort of clashed a little bit. Where I was like, you've set, you've got this really good pacing, and then you're sort of stopping it and doing a little bit more. Um, and it's sort of like yeah, it didn't sort of unify as much as I wanted it to. We can also do an Uncharted podcast at some point because <laughs> there's probably going to be a future of that too. And um, for now though, and um, you guys, let us know what you think down in the comments below if you're watching the video version, or come find us on social media if you're listening on any of the audio platforms. 
platforms. This has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Taylor, joined by Benjamin Richardson. Goodbye. I'm Josh Brown. Goodbye. I'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.